This podcast was recorded at the American headquarters of the Ethereus Society, located in Hollywood, California, where service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. Good evening. Good evening. evening. Well, welcome to the, the last class, the last study class for the Nine Freedoms. Kind of sad to be ending, really. Um, but <laughs> yeah, we, we, we could keep going, couldn't we? Just keep going around one through nine for uh, for years, really. Boy. Well, here we are. Today is uh, June thirteenth. Uh, my name is Brian Kniep. I'm Richard Casada. Uh, welcome once again, and uh, we are going to have. We'll stay in the beginning. We're going to have um, a tenth podcast where we're going to have um, kind of a summary and interviews and recap um, from some of the attenders here and in podcast land of what it meant to them and what different people got out of the the class. So that'll be number 10. And um, part of that, of course, would be a party here at the Los Angeles headquarters on uh, next Wednesday at 8 o'clock. So that's something we can look forward to. Well, what do we do now? We're going to recap a little bit about uh, last week's excellent freedom on Saturnian existence. And we learned an enormous amount about these great Saturnian beings who have been throughout the ages um, not heralded by many philosophers and or yogis and or masters. However, they are, as we learned, the masterminds behind the great wisdoms and indeed the sending to this planet of interplanetary masters throughout the millennia. They are the closest uh, to God in uh, the eyes of many of the great masters. Uh, And this particular freedom, we're going to be learning about the closest living entity to the absolute, to us anyway, which is the sun. And as we know from uh, both the Twelve Blessings and the Nine Freedoms, the sun was thought of in uh, times of old as a Brahma in the Hindu tradition and God in Christian tradition. And so um, the sun has been known to be a god by people on earth for thousands if not millions of years. And so it's kind of we're finally getting back into tune with that concept now through the nine freedoms. So it's an interesting full circle, really. Yes, and as we've discussed over these last nine weeks, we've mentioned on and off the, the prevalent news were the items today across the world of global warming. And we have here in our, in our midst, in our solar family, the core of our living light And it's interesting how little is known about this great and marvelous being and the beings who live upon it. Um, There are so many revelations in the Nine Freedoms that absolutely explode with um, a new material to contemplate and understand. We are at the verge of some wonderful happenings, I think, 
in the consciousness of man, because certainly Mars Sector 6 has repeated over and over again that these great nine freedoms will instill upon the few thinkers wonderful alterations in their consciousness, which will lead to new discoveries. It's also an interesting time in many other ways, in that, according to astronomers anyway, um, the sun, our sun, has gone through one half of its uh, life cycle. And another about four billion years, it will start to turn into a, um, a, a giant red star and then eventually will explode into a type of uh, um, planetary nebula and then will come down into a white dwarf. And so it's interesting that we're getting all these different things happening. Um, for example, the initiation of the solar system and the primary initiation of the Mother Earth. And, of course, Earth is being given the nine freedoms all at the halfway point of the solar existence. So it's an interesting concept to think about, really. Yes, yes. Well, tonight we thought we'd start with a um, recap given by our master, George King, uh, regarding the eighth freedom. And so, um, what do you think? Yeah, Mark, uh, I want you to play uh, track two. This is about two and a half, two, two and a half to three minute um, extract from our master. I think before we go on to solar existence, uh, we'll go back to our charts again and we'll see a little bit more about Saturnian existence. <coughs> Uh, now, you remember that the, the Eighth Freedom is Saturnian existence, thank you, and before that, the, you're, you're on an interplanetary level then, and you spend 125,000 years uh, in meditation on this interplanetary level. Uh, you see, and then after initiation in the primary hall on the Sun, Livestream is able to inhabit... 1,860 bodies at the same time in full consciousness. This is on Saturn. Uh, now, we'll get back to our particular uh, comparison that was used. Remember this uh, last week and how we said good heavens? Uh, well, we've put it down in more detail here for you. And you will see that the secondary Saturnian level is 495 times more evolved than interplanetary level. So, secondary Saturnian level is 495 times more evolved than a man on Venus. Than a man like Jesus, for instance. 495 times more evolved than that. If you can... Imagine such a thing, I can't, but this is a comparison given by someone with, uh, with permission to give it to us. Now look here. Now the primary Saturnian level is 2,364 times more evolved than interplanetary level. That's very interesting, this. And then when the fakes uh, sit down and pop into trance and contact Saturn, throw something at them because you needn't worry, they're not in trance. <laughs> the only person they're really trying to kid is themselves. 
no matter who they call them, or no matter whether they have red hair or green. Now we get on to solar existence. So we move into the, uh, as we normally do, let's do our tune in and do our first extract of Mars Sector 6 where he proclaims the first, or in this case, the ninth freedom. So let's once again, let's sit up straight and close our eyes. And this time, let's just imagine the wondrous sun, just for a moment, wonderful warmth, summertime, the energy, the pranas that come and change every 32 minutes, change from nightness into daylight. And let's listen now to just a very short introduction by Mars Sector 6. The ninth of freedom will be a solemn existence sets the stage, doesn't it? And we'll just have a quick look at the um, beautiful picture up there of the sun. And it's, when you look at the sun in that picture, and this is a picture of the, uh, the hydrogen, um, through a hydrogen filter of the sun, where you see all the protuberances, mm -hmm. like that. Um, and if you look at the, the real bright areas there, um, in that particular photograph, the bright areas, if you saw it through the visible spectrum, would be the um, the, the dark. What do you call it? The uh, dark sun, spots, sunspots, sunspots. Mm -hmm. sun mm -hmm. And it's it's interesting. You can almost you can almost imagine um, perhaps an entity, perhaps a, a master uh, of the sun, um, in one of those spots, sending out tremendous energy. I don't know. But I'm just saying uh, it's interesting a thought, and of course. The solar cycle is 11, 11 years and also 22 years. And as we know, each 11-year cycle, the number of um, sunspots increases. And then it goes down, then it goes up again for another 11-year cycle. And the next peak, next um, solar peak is 2012. It's an interesting, uh, interesting date for, for all these things that take place. But well, that's all hypothetical. Let's get back to the realities of the nine freedoms, shall we? Um, should I do a little bit, a bit of reading? Yes, yes. This is what Mars Sector 6 says next after he pronounces the ninth freedom. After a successful term of office as one of the perfects of Saturn, the cosmic adept then moves to even a higher plane of existence. But before this time, 
it travels to the central sun of this galaxy for advanced initiation into the secrets of variable dimension. After this initiation, the cosmic adept then divorces itself completely and retires in the meditation for a period which, in terrestrial years, would be 90,000. That's a long meditation. We're still talking about before this being is entered through the flame of the sun. This is additional requirements for a perfect of Saturn as they come forth to the sun itself to be introduced. The beginning of this ninth freedom is very interesting how it, it actually goes back, not so much back, but it includes Saturnian existence and the movement between a lord, a primary lord of Saturn, being invited due to his experience, its experience, to become a lord of the sun. And the transition between those events, this is what's described in the first several passages of the ninth freedom. Very interesting how much more is required. Well, it, 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 it goes even on even further. I mean, it's uh, mm-hmm. after this uh, 90,000 um, year meditation... Uh, the entity comes out of this deep somatic condition of a galactic consciousness and practices the seven aspects of the white magic of continuance. And our master suggests that that is more of a preservative uh, magic. Then after that, after this successful practice, we don't know how long that is, um, then it goes, it divorces itself from all other intelligences and it goeth again into galactic consciousness for a period of 500,000 of your terrestrial years. And after that, it returns again to the central sun for even another initiation into the three aspects of creative magic. It cometh out and practices this. So this then is the more creative or um, positive type of magic. And this is, again, as Richard said, this is all before it goes into uh, become part of the sun. This is an in-between its, its um, successful term of office as a perfect and going into become a, a part of the sun. Amazing, really, isn't it? One thing that I wanted to to mention, um, our master gave a a talk back, I think it was 1966 or 67, um, on time. And he he had a revelation at that point. That was right after the, the Gotha mission. And the revelation was that time is very different depending on what plane you are living or experiencing life. And so, if you note the way Mars Sector 6 mentions these years, he says it's kind of like, um, for example, back on the eighth freedom, he goes, it travels to some place outside of the solar system and spends the equivalent of 125,000 of your terrestrial years meditation. 
So there's a lot you can read into that equivalent. It may not be in our time reference 125,000 years, but it would be perhaps like 125,000 years. Just to confuse everybody. Maybe I shouldn't have brought this. No, time is important. It is. It's, it's a very... St- <laughs> we saw that glance. It is um, it's, it's something to think about, and we don't know, but it... it what, what I mean to say is that it's not necessarily um, 500,000 terrestrial years that it's away. But it's, it's, in other words, if we were to go into a meditation, it would be 500,000 years of our years if we were in that meditation. But if someone more evolved, it might be, I have no idea, maybe longer, but probably less time. Do you understand that? And even in that, there is a consideration that to a being, just to com- a little comprehension in allowing one's imagination to go amok, but to have such a being enter such a state, it's not as if he's divorced from God itself. It's like the being is attached to an aspect of divinity which we can't comprehend. Even closer to God. Closer to God. And that is not a withdrawal as depicted by yogis in Himalayas or Tibet who withdraw from society. In this case, it's more over uh, attachment to all things that is God. And it is always remarkable to, in reviewing this mystic text, how much in each paragraph throughout all the 200 pages that there is the constant... um, referral to the nearness to God and how humanity, we on earth, are growing, hopefully, towards the conscious nearness to God in our practices, in our efforts, in our joining together, in our worship, through our faith. And to have this knowledge of greater beings who are moving to become lords of the sun, why this information has been given to us even though we do not understand it, obviously there's a great, marvelous plan. And those few thinkers out there, those of you who have taken the nine freedoms to heart, as Brian and I and all of you present here today and throughout these weeks, all of us have a grand opportunity to move that much more closer to God because of the nine freedoms and the constant referral to this nearness to God which in this case is the spark within. It's also um, stressed in this text, of course, that the reason why you do all these things, the reason why you go into meditation and you um, divorce yourself for a time and, and, and learn these different things is for one reason, and that is service. That is to help other people, other beings, other entities. And as we learn later in this text... Um, the Lords of the Sun, that's what they do 24 hours a day with every etheric breath, every second, every split second. They're giving to everyone in this solar system and beyond. And so it's a great lesson that the more you, you do your practices not for self-liberation or self-realization even so much, but you do it to be able to help others more and more and more. Now, that's, that just is a, a thread woven right throughout uh, the, the nine freedoms and the 12 blessings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Many of the teachings 
that have been presented to humanity via the cosmic masters through their primary terrestrial mental channel, George King. Shall we um, push on? Push onwards. Now, this is a, a wonderful extract. This is about three minutes and 40 seconds uh, by our master, George King, on some interesting aspects of the sun. Mark, this will be Trek 4. Every second of every day and every night, these lesser solar lords spend in sending forth the very essence of their heart, mind and body to all life streams in the solar system. This, says Mars Sector 6, is greater freedom than you know because it's the greatest limitation. See, again, this, this paradox of truth, great parody of truth, it crops up over and over again. This is one of the great measures of authenticity of this, of this type of material. Together as the one, they work radiating power and energy to all life streams in the solar system, radiating the very power of their bodies, the very energy of their hearts. Try to live without sunlight and you'll see. You can't. People might say, oh, well, supposing you work down a mine. <laughs> you still can't. There wouldn't be a mine if there wasn't sunlight in the first place. You see, that's what we are on this earth. We are solidified sunlight. Every 32 minutes during the day and night, one of the great five major pranas intermingled with the five minor pranas are radiated out from the sun. And these pranas give us all manifestation on this earth. Can't have anything without prana. Prana is the universal life force which runs through all things and holds all things in being. Whether it's your brain or whether it's your super consciousness or whether it's these glasses here. It's the same universal life force. And this universal life force comes from the sun. And also the word, the A-U-M, is intoned by the sun. If you are in tune and any state of cosmic consciousness, any deep state, uh, of meditation leading on to cosmic consciousness, it's one of the first things you become aware of, is this great intonation coming through 90 million miles of space. Uh, you can hear it. This great word being intoned all the time, solidly, year in, year out. As far as this earth is concerned, uh, the earth is 3,000 million years old, Men on Earth who've been in tune have heard it for 3,000 million years. Uh, Saturn is hundreds of thousands of millions of more years old than this Earth. It's the same with them. This great word is being intoned, not by one single entity, but by all joined as one, intoning this great word. It was the word that was with God. The sun is not God, but it's been recognized as God throughout the ages. 
And uh, we are told later on something very interesting regarding that. I want to backtrack for just a minute. We, we haven't gotten this entity into the sun yet. Always going back. Uh, I'm going back this time. Now, I remember we left off that it had learned the uh, three aspects of creative magic. Um, during that time, it could cause itself to be divided into 3,100 parts. Remember, this is more than a perfect could divide itself up into. And then eventually, once it's um, proven itself, it then is born through the most sacred holy flame in the solar system, a flame greater than anything individual, a flame which is all collective, all powerful, all radiant, a flame which is creative, for it is the flame of the solar logos. And then it becomes one of the great hierarchical lords, or one of the lesser planetary lords. And of course, the, the greater planetary lords are the planets themselves. Um, but once this, this being becomes uh, a part of the sun, it becomes a lesser hierarchical solar lord. Okay? We caught up? Yes. So the, the, these beings actually, they live on the sun and, and they become um, part of the, the great radiations from the sun. It's, uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful thought, really. There's, there's no way we can describe, just like we have uh, people looking out into space and having telescopes and all these different instrumentations. Looking at the planets and the sun, you see one aspect only. We look at the sun and we see that picture in our temple of the sun. And we have, of course, on the net, JPL, NASA again. There's magnificent photographs in different frequency ranges. Infrared to ultraviolet and all in between, and they filter out various compo composites of the sun and take sensational photographs. Still, even in this, it does not depict true life upon the sun. There has been referral of flowers of the sun. Well, if you look at the sun now, you're going to say, how does a flower exist on that molten mass of seething Liquid, it seems like, but that's only one dimension that we're aware of. Just as on the planets, there are other dimensions of which there are civilizations, both on the surface and beneath the surface, existing today, of thriving civilizations who exist. So let's not run away with the concept that what we see in space and what we see within our own solar system is the total expression of these cosmic beings. Well, on that note, um, you know, we, we vaguely know of seven dimensions, um, but these great beings, it says, can control mind and matter within 49 dimensions. 49 dimensions. Well, um, now we're back to uh, the pranas. Right? The pranas. One of the things that uh, the great lords of the sun do is, is they send out tremendous pranas every second of every day. And this is what we're, we're told that this is what gives everything in the solar system life. And our master described it as we are all solidified sunlight. Without the energy from the sun, we wouldn't be able to exist. So our very existence is allowed because of these great 
lords of the sun. You know, we have um, throughout um, the history of the theory society, <clears throat> our master has been very, very careful in and precise to give to everyone on the planet virtually, not only his members, but everyone on the planet, very clear and concise and, and um, practical methods of which to develop oneself. And the mantras, for instance, that we have a cassette album, those of you who are interested, um, soul mantra and dynamic mantra, 11 mantras altogether. Each mantra is a holy, holy prayer. And during the recitation of these mantras, one is invoking the pranas, collecting pranas, uh, conditioning the pranas through oneself and one's auric bodies, the chakras. And if you have a predetermined result, for instance, if you have a direction after you have invoked the power from the recitation of the mantra, then you direct this stream towards your target. So here you have in a, a method by which how to collect pranas directly, magnetizing yourself. The same thing with prayer, divine prayer. The same thing with the yogic breathing exercises that the master has taught us as well. All very apparently simple processes with one exception. It takes absolute dedication, discipline, and that word again, self-imposed limitation. Or was that three words? One idea. Okay. All right. Well, that's what we're learning. We're learning to be, to be sons. That's, that's what we're doing. I mean, the, the sun gives energy 24 hours a day. And how much time do we spend giving energy in prayer? You know, just a fraction of 24 hours a day. But every time we, we give healing, or every time we send out a prayer, or do mantras, every time we help someone, this is all, in a way, a step towards becoming like a son. It's a long path, but you can start to understand that the more that you give, the more that you serve, the more that you help others, the quicker you're moving along this long road to becoming a son or back to God. And one of the major steps is joining together with all of the lesser hierarchical lords of the son. One quick uh, aside before we move forward to the next um, extract by our master um, going back to the teachings of George King, he um, taught, and it's once again recorded, which is one of the premier hallmarks of his life, is that he made sure that these truths were recorded for prosperity's sake. He recorded a teaching of how to pronounce the A-U-M, signification in its occult properties. It's on cassette. It's available for all of you out there who wish to truly understand what the AU is and CD. And CD, yes. And so, progress. And so here we have, to all of you out there who may have, and please forgive me if I say this because I was in that framework myself when I first heard the AUM back in the hippie days, and it was pronounced incorrectly and treated irreverently. However, I was corrected by the Master King when he presented this lecture and presented the correct enunciation of this mantra, the sound. And once you hear it, understand his, his presentation, once you practice this, you will find 
in Im- almost immediate resonance with the sun. Do it outside, in the shade of a tree, someplace in nature, you will find great harmony bestowed upon you. And the more you treat this sound and you treat it as a prayer in a way, with that kind of sincerity, you will have great results. It's that simple. But so often, don't we run away from the simplest things and look for complexities in our life? It's also one of the, the best protective practices, uh, the AUM. So it's, uh, it's a lot, there's a lot in the AUM and a lot that you can do with it. Well, shall we um, move forward? Okay, the next is a, an extract, again, by um, a master, a Dr. George King. And this is about three minutes and ten seconds. And this is um, talking about the spark within. Mark, this is uh, track five. Within all men, there is this tiny sun. This tiny sun, this tiny spark of God within every man. It's a wonderful thing, a joyous thing, something to bring joy to your hearts and confidence welling through you to feel that deep within you, doesn't matter how deep it is, but within you is this spark of the divine. You are linked with the divine by this spark. This is the thing uh, uh, that, that should make that that makes all the great mystics uh, uh, more joyful, even though they take things more seriously than the average man. Yet there is this inner joy, this kind of inner inner knowledge that within them there is this tiny replica of the great thing we see up there which scientists say is 93,500,000 miles away from us. All the energy that terrestrial man uses comes from the many acting as the one. We have no energy upon this earth. We have no energy even in the atom that has not come from the sun. No energy at all whatsoever. You give healing. You're conveying sunlight from yourself to another person. In fact, I'd like to talk about energy because it's it's one of my jobs is manipulating subtle energies. I'd like to talk about energy in an abstract way, I think, to, to, uh, to people who really proved they were ready. I think I could bring out some things which would startle people, even the yogis don't realize some some of the implications behind statements like this. Doubt if Paramahansa Yogananda certainly didn't when he was on earth. Very doubtful that his master does. The implications behind this are tremendous when we come to consider all the energy, it says here, not half of it, not a quarter of it, but all the energy, the highest spiritual energy comes from the sun. The lowest basic energy comes from the sun. 
and man can turn this energy into one tide or another. That's what he's doing. Well, the, the first statement that he made was how exhilarating it is to, to realize that spark of God within. And it's, um, I think the closer people get to realizing that, and as we all get closer and closer, um, you, you do develop a, an inner peace, uh, inner uh, joy, uh, inner kind of relaxation almost, because you, you, you know that you're part of God. It's a wonderful feeling. You know, and one thing that, that often um, helps me sometimes is to think of the sun as a great being, of course. Um, but the more that you study the sun, the sun itself, what you, what you look at in the sky, is really just, just the, the center of it. It's just the center of this great being known as the sun. Um, there's a thing called the heliosphere, which is the streams of um, plasma running off from the sun in all directions, and it goes a long ways. And at some point, it stops. It pushes against the rest of the galaxy, right? And so if you think of the, the sun itself, is is much, much larger than what you see. It, it's, this, it's what you call the heliosphere, and it's way, way past Pluto, way, way past Pluto. Um, and if you think about it, that is the being known as the sun that includes all the planets, all the comets, all the asteroids, and all of us. So if you think about it in that way, we are all really cells within this great sun. So we're actually, we're part of the sun. We're an aspect of the sun. And as the sun is God, we're, we're aspects of God. And it, we're, already, we're already there. We're, we're already part of God. We're part of the sun. And this can be a very joyful thought because we aren't separated, but we're part. We're one. And it's, uh, it, it's I don't know, it's helped me. Helped me a lot in different, at different times. Uh, and that's very, very excellent, the way you put it, Brian. And it, I think we all kind of share the same sentiments um, to a degree. And the Master puts it very well and clear in page 188 of the Nine Freedoms, where he speaks about that the sunlight is spiritual energy. It's not just energy. It's spiritual energy. We on earth, as children of God, we have a choice to use this spiritual energy in spiritual ways, through spiritual living, through spiritual thinking, or to debase the spiritual energy and bring it down and involve it into patterns of destruction, patterns of, well, we hear it, we hear it, hate, bitterness, greed, materialism, things of this nature. We convolute the essence of the spiritual energy coming from the sun. It takes great care to understand the nine freedoms, but it takes more care to contemplate and certainly have introspection once again on a daily basis. We stress this point because it has been certainly 
my personal best friend is the self-honesty regarding my personal actions. I am far from an angel. However, today, I'm closer to acting in a proper fashion. By that, I mean I'm starting to realize that I am a divine being living on a divine planet, which is a cosmic being in a divine spiritual family, our solar system. Well, you know, we're always looking for um, ways to help us do the right thing because um, it's, it's a challenge for all of us to do the, the best thing all the time. But it, it's, it's a good thing to, to think about all the energy that we have comes from the sun. And when you think about this great and wonderful being that spends all of its time, all of its energies, all the time giving, just giving, giving, giving to us and, give, and gives us life and experience. And if we can think about that, every energy that we get and we use comes from these great beings that are sacrificing themselves for us. It, kinda, it can help you not do dumb things. You wouldn't want to do a dumb thing with energy from this great solar lord. That's, that's given it's all for you, and then you're going like, to just kind of do some dumb thing with it. So it, it's, uh, it's something that can kind of help you look up at the sun or feel the warmth of the sun and reaffirm that all the energy that we have is from this sun. Let's use it the best way we possibly can. It's a good, it's a good way to kind of always be thinking, or at least as much as we can. Next track is Mars Sector 6. Let's prepare ourselves. And this is a beautiful track, very powerful, minute and a half. And it really um, is one of the cores of this particular freedom. Let's just sit up straight, a couple of deep breaths, and think of this wonderful, wonderful God so close to us. In fact, we live within its very body. Mark, track six. Let realization of the ninth freedom burn like an all-existing flame into your very consciousness and govern each thought and action in accordance with the mightiness of this, the greatness of this, the undescribable beauty of this, the sacrifice of this, the holiness of this, the simpleness of this. Form the many, become the one in the ninth step. And in their becoming, they a practice with every thought. I and with every 
etheric breath, a service to all. Four times a year, we have the great and wondrous privilege of having a interplanetary, interstellar space station come into orbit of this planet called Satellite Number 3. One of the functions, initial functions, is to take this sunlight, which travels freely through space, and condition, condition this sunlight and prepare it in such a way that it can be radiated during its orbit throughout the physical realm and, indeed, all the realms upon the planet Terra. In this conditioning, we have available not only our normal beautiful spiritual radiations coming from the sun daily, but in this orbit, when the space station comes into orbit, we have now a unique shaped energy that makes it available in the atmosphere of our world where we can grab a hold of it and direct it for selfless purposes and thereby enhance our spiritual practices and spiritual actions by the factor of 3,000 times. It's not enough to say it we have lived it in the Ethereum Society for over five decades. One of the marvelous, marvelous aspects of world history is that terrestrials, not only are they aware of the presence of this space station, because it has been publicized to millions of people throughout these past five decades on television, radio broadcasts, publications, throughout the world. However, in the Ethereum Society, the Master King went further and was inspired initially to build an apparatus to cooperate with the presence of the space station. And this went on for several years. Then the second machine was designed for Operation Blue Water. And that was used for a period of almost two years in operations with, in cooperation with, satellite number three and after which a third spiritual energy radiator was designed in Los Angeles and was working for several years and then duplicated in 1971. And London came on air cooperating with this space station with a physical apparatus. Once again, the manipulation of sunlight, directing this power, to bathe our atmosphere, making it available not only for utilization, but altering the very frequency of all life in raising it. And what has happened even recently? The Ethereum Society, even after the vacating of the physical world of ours, Master King left trained individuals honed through fires of adversity honed through difficult periods of tuition by him as the direct teacher. And we have individuals like Richard Medway, Gordon McKenzie, 
Leo Bacchus, and others who have built an improved version of spiritual energy radiators, and we have now three of these magnificent new versions operating on the physical realm. Cooperating with satellite number three, this interstellar craft, who comes into orbit once again of this planet, and it takes the sunlight, the spiritual energy, and modulates it so that it can be useful at this time, this crucial time in the history of the world. That's a very good point. And, you know, our master, he gave a little bit of a, a clue in one of the earlier extracts that we heard this evening where he said that he's expert in the manipulation of spiritual energy. And he certainly was. And it, it's, we, it, we can't hope to do what he did uh, this life. Um, but he, being um, followers of uh, Dr. King, it's, it's almost up to us to, to practice his, his magic as best that we can. And he, he gave us many, many ways to do that, um, both uh, individually and collectively. And Richard was talking about the collective aspect uh, of the missions, such as uh, Operation Space Power and Space Power 2, Operation Prayer Power, people can come together and manipulate uh, energies. And again, this is really what Dr. King taught us, to be com a commando force to really excel at manipulating energy for the betterment of the world. And he gave us many, many tools to do that. In fact, he focused mainly on helping us to do that, because was, that was his forte, if you will. And so every time you have a choice of what to do in the morning, you can pick up the 12 blessings and you can radiate wonderful energies to the world. And this is a very powerful form of energy manipulation. We can also use any of his, the mantras that he gave to us to, again, manipulate energy or combine the two, do some mantra and then 12 blessings. Um, spiritual healing is another way of learning to manipulate these energies. And less obviously, but coming into the Ethereum society, um, not only for 12 blessings or prayer power, but to help out in the garden or help out in the maintenance or to help out in mail-outs, this too is a form of manipulating energy, believe it or not. It's, it's more of a karmic manipulation. Be because he was so adept and so saw the importance of manipulating energies and karmas is he made several arrangements. And one of the arrangements that he made was for other aspects of the Ethereum society on the higher realms to come together and use people in a positive way, again, for manipulating karma and energy whenever there's official things happening at the Ethereum society headquarters, or branches. So there's many, many ways that our master set up uh, avenues for us to manipulate spiritual energy and manipulate karma and really make that an important thing to, for you to do. 
You know, throughout the nine freedoms, it talks about service. And Dr. King focused not so much on self-improvement, but on improving yourself so that you can help others. And so he gave us many, many, many tools to manipulate energy. And he gave us some tools as well to improve ourselves, but mainly for to improve ourselves to become even better helpers for others. There is a, a paragraph, a long paragraph, but it's worthy of reading, um, especially to those of you who are new to the nine freedoms, and it sums up the role of the sun. Page 187. From the sun came the planets in this solar system, and when their present life is finished, back to the sun again, they will go. The beings on the sun are radiating the essence of their very bodies through the ethers so that in this solar system might use this energy in order to express itself in multitudinous ways, in order to gain experience, in order to evolve, in order to continue the journey back to the divine source again. If ever there is such a thing as a debt, then we are in debt forever to such beings as those on the sun Never can we hope to repay such a debt, save by divine cancellation through some aspect of karmic law, if that is possible. The very energy from their bodies gives us the universal life force which makes up our food, water, and air we breathe. The very energy of their hearts gives us our highest inspirations our purest love. The great tides of spiritual energy which continually flow like the mighty seas through this solar system upon which all life is entirely dependent is the very blood of these ineffable beings. There is not even a rock which could live in its present form except by the mercy and creative ability of these great masters. If ever life on earth was dependent upon any one thing, then it is completely and absolutely dependent upon the sun for its every expression. If you forget everything else in the world, it will pay you always to remember this. You know, it's, it's good to, rem- to remember the way that um, he says it here, is that it's not, they aren't sending energy through them. It's not the way he says it. He says that the energy is part of them. And it's, it's, even, it's, it's an interesting way of, of saying it, and um, it, it really it makes you feel that much more reverent every time you manipulate this energy because you're manipulating energy from these beings themselves. They, they aren't just sending energy through them. They're, they're creating this energy. You know, they spent hundreds of thousands of years to learn um, how to do this and to, you know, practice doing this. And now they are doing this for us. And so we're taking this energy from their very hearts and their very beings and we're, and we're giving it to others. 
And it, it, it makes it, it puts a whole other level of um, uh, reverence, really, on, on all that we do, and especially all that we do with the pranas. If there was something so unique about the nine freedoms is that it really goes into, it leaves our world, so much of our philosophies is dealing with humans, you know, masters and, and great philosophers and teachers and special people, gifted people. And we always have this kind of like reverence for people who are gifted, who are spiritual, who are healers. And all. But then you have this beautiful lifting away from the planet in a scope that exceeds and goes out into the great grand scheme of God's creation. And this is what really brings the nine freedoms such a unique flavor in all historic uh, annals of all history, of all words, of anything written or spoken. It is a fresh, new vista. And we are the pioneers of this understanding period. It's important to really praise yourself to be in this position of these wondrous teachings that the multitude, unfortunately, are not self-directed to come before. You have. Congratulations. Shall we uh, move on? This extract is 3 minutes and 22 seconds uh, by uh, Master King. This is track 7, Mark. Through the freedoms you come, choosing your own time, be it fast or slow, but through these gates you must come. There's no dodging it. These are the great steps through your total existence. You can come as a Christian, as a Buddhist, as a yogi, you can come fast and slow, you can belong to any group, to no group, you can start off an atheist, a murderer, a killer, a saint, an angel, but you've got to come through these great steps. You can't go around any one of them. These are the steps laid out for you so plainly so definitely, so simply, even though we may not understand all the phrases in these things, and we don't understand them by a long, long chalk, nevertheless, these are the steps. Through Earth, with its various experiences, onto another uh, planet, with its various experiences, and then off to Venus or Uranus and an interchange between the planets, then into the secondary Saturnian cycle, then the primary Saturnian cycle, then the sun. The Buddhists, the Jesuses, the Aetherius, is the Kumaras, have at one time travelled this road, are now travelling it upon their respective planets, are travelling towards the ninth door. And he describes the lords of the sun as shining like veritable jewels around the waist of the lords of creation. For they help the mighty lords of creation to energize the solar system so that all life streams may have the great chance to enter the ninth door. All life streams are given this chance to go to the sun. That's wonder of it all. 
Still got a bit to go, but the chance is there. Walk ye straight, O men of terror, if ye be wise. Should be a question mark after that, because it's doubtful whether there be many men on this earth that are really wise. Nor step ye this side, neither the other, but go ye on and up through the eight freedoms and into the heart of God in the ninth. The nine freedoms have been given to earth at this time in order to stimulate and rise the consciousness of the few thinkers. Use this information well, for it will change you, for it will cause multitudinous thoughts to come into your mind, for this information will be the dawning of wisdom for you. Use it well, O oh brothers, use it well. In the beginning, in the first freedom, we talked about the mission of the nine freedoms. Not only is it what we see here in the 200 pages as a wondrous mystic text, first ever on the planet of its nature, but at the same time, concurrently, there was a manipulation of energy, of which the master referred to him being quite a, a master of the manipulation of subtle energies. And he had throughout the world people in England getting up at 3.30 in the morning, people in America who were attending the nine freedoms as they occurred. Um, and they were channels through which energy was sent through them as well as the Master King and other people upon the planet. As a result of this manipulation, America, this country, was saved a catastrophic earthquake that very likely would have occurred right where we sit tonight, where millions of people from the Mexican border, very likely to San Francisco, would have had their lives drastically changed had it not been for the manipulation that George King instigated with his comrades from other worlds, bringing to this earth and through terrestrials as well as uh, equipment, the spiritual energy radiator, which was designed back in the early 60s under the guidance of Master Aetherius. This is an important aspect to never forget when it comes to the nine freedoms, because millions upon millions of lives, if not the entire world, would have been dramatically impacted from many levels, spiritually, absolutely, but economic, oh yes. Oh, yes. So this is one aspect of the nine freedoms which really must be remembered and cherished that we have here not only a historical document and a path towards God, back to God, but also a great manipulation that occurred. Well, they always do more than uh, one thing with a move, the cosmic masters. But it... it you know, one thing that I like to think about is, you know, use this information well, for it will change you. For it will cause multitudinous thoughts to come into your mind. For this information will be the dawning of wisdom for you. And, you know, it, it's, it's a wonderful process to 
have these thoughts come into your mind and to raise you up. And, you know, the, 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 the mind isn't, um, as scientists uh, think, I think they're starting to break out of this thought, but for a while they thought that the mind really was just in that brain, just that gray matter, just like all kind of little chemicals going off and different things. That's not the mind. The mind is, a, is part of your aura, and you have lots of thoughts going around your mind. And it's much like a radio set. And the higher you tune up uh, your, your mind, uh, the higher the thoughts will come into your mind. And when you have thoughts like these being given to not only us, but the mental planes of our world, it allows a higher vibration of thought to come into our mental body. And of course you can... You can enhance this by reading the nine freedoms over and over and thinking about the nine freedoms. Not only just doing the 12 blessings and the breathing and the mantra, it's all good, but also reading and listening to, if you have the tapes or the CDs shortly, you can listen to these, these great truths. And, th- and listening or reading, you're vibrating your, your mental body, the part of your aura that's your mental body, you're vibrating it at a higher vibration and you're allowing higher thoughts to come into your, your aura and this will raise you up. It will inspire you. It will um, move your aura. It, it will uh, give you healing. It will enable you to give other people healing better. It's, it's, a, it's a tremendous spiritual practice. Just well, you, you can say just, but it's actually more than just. Studying these wonderful thoughts and when you, when you say them to yourself or read them out loud or listen to them, you're vibrating. You're raising the vibration of your mental body. And uh, it happens slowly. It happens slowly. But keep at it, and you will find, um, as inspiration comes, you'll, you'll find your mind start to do odd things almost. And you'll... And you'll Sometimes you'll shake or sometimes you'll, you'll see something will become really clear or, or many different things will happen. And it, it's, it's a wonderful experience. And uh, it's up to us how fast we want that process to take. The more you put into it, the faster it will go. One another um, uh, footnote is that... Um, we were talking about, Brian and I, a small pamphlet which is called My Contact with the Great White Brotherhood. Um, and in it, there is reference to the nine freedoms. The Master Therius um, comes to our Master after he had been invited and visited the retreat of the Great White Brotherhood beneath Ben McDewey in the Scotland Highlands. This was just after the completion of an operation called Starlight. And to those of the Aetherius Society, you are well aware of this great mission. However, one of the interesting aspects was that the tour that he received via uh, and from and with a female master is that she revealed that there is a method by which the Great White Brotherhood monitors all spiritual activities, in fact, all humans on the planet, and in particular those spiritual groups and individuals throughout the world who perform spiritual acts. 
So there is a monitoring system and an archival system. And in this, there is a noted reference. And this is why I'm bringing this up, because those of you out there may have had these psychic phenomena that is uh, kind of mysterious. And even the master mentions in this small booklet that once again costs, I think, $5 or something like this. Ridiculous costs, so inexpensive. Uh, he mentions the fact that there is a, a phenomenon that's commonly seen by some people. I know I have seen these globules of light that are blue, oftentimes multicolored, but they're blue. And they come through a room, and they, they, they kind of hover around a little bit. And many of us have seen that. I see a few people nodding their heads in this very audience. And it's been puzzling to many people throughout the centuries as to what these globules of light are. And it has, was revealed in this experience of our master that they are globules, but they're actually electronic devices sent by the Great White Brotherhood to monitor and bear witness to your activity at that moment. And there are virtually, very likely, millions of these globules worldwide. So just a little caveat here on the side that um, not only are, is our behavior which we talk about, we need to obviously address and spiritualize our life and spiritualize mass, but we are actually being watched by our elder masters of this world, the ascended masters of the great white brotherhood. And in that, there is also, you can almost think as well that there is, and we spoke about this, is that there's an ability not only for them to monitor us, and now that we have an understanding that these globes are monitoring disks that record firsthand your, your experiences that you're performing some spiritual act, etc., etc. And you also have um, an ability to have a greater, once again, I use the word, relationship with these wondrous masters. Uh, we talk in the Nine Freedoms about some very deep and profound and esoteric truths that go way out into the great heavens above. But let's not forget that on our planet, we have some very wonderful, spiritually-hearted beings who live and breathe the great ethers of God and draw in and behave and give of their very hearts to all humanity their life. So let's also think about that, too, as we come to the conclusion of the nine freedoms that we have very close to us, some wonderful people. Yeah, very interesting, that. Now, this is a summation uh, by, again, Dr. King, and this is a track eight. Mark? Fantastic piece of work, as you who've been to the classes so well know and so well admit. Not only was a great catastrophe averted from this country, but also one of the most fantastic pieces of occult literature ever given to earth has been given. I've proven to you in simple, logical ways how in the seventh freedom even the great ancient wisdom was improved upon, was given an interpretation so much simpler and yet so much deeper than even the ancients gave it, proving that this is 
the age where these things are revealed to man. This is the age before the great sorting of the wheat from the chaff, uh, which will come in one way or another, be it nice or be it unpleasant. That depends on mankind. However, it will come, for we know that the earth will go into her period of initiation and she will go into her great millennium has spoken about uh, in the Bible and various other texts. And that's why such information as this has been revealed to the earth at this time. So, not in the hope that man will understand it, he won't. Not in the hopes that man on the whole will act upon it, he won't. But so that he will be gradually changed by it because these thoughts will introduce other thoughts into his mind and his whole thought pattern will gradually change and rise for the better by such things as this. Some people, one particular person said to me, well, don't you regard this as a great triumph for yourself? having been the instrument through which this was given. You know, I can't say that I do. You know what I feel more than anything when I really start to study these things? I feel very, very humble, but I feel kind of numb. Just like uh, as though I'd been given an injection of some kind and it stopped some kind of a pain. You know, that feeling of numbness. That's the way I feel, and I don't think I'll allow myself any other feeling but that. Anyone have any questions or have any answers? Well, I'd like to have some answers, preferably. Could you... Um define the difference between the great central sun and the sun itself as we know it? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, the, the, the difference between the great central sun and the sun itself as we know it. Well, the great central sun refers to the, um, we believe it refers to the black hole in the center of the galaxy. That's the great central sun. And of course, the sun as we know it is, is our sun in our solar system. So what actually happens is, is this being between the time of um, being a perfect from Saturn and then being born in, into the, uh, through the solar logos of, of our sun, it goes to the central sun in the galaxy uh, for advanced initiation. There's actually a little referral here, a paragraph the master addresses this in his commentary on page 183. Thank you for the question. It does bear marking. Uh, the central sun of this galaxy means the great invisible sun around which this galaxy moves in a continual orbit, a hub of the galactic wheel, as it were. The central sun of this galaxy would, of course, be one of the lords of creation, and no doubt invisible 
to the human physical eye, but very visible to the true eye of an advanced Saturnian intelligence. What a magnificent sight that must be. Of course, you can, you can see um, aspects of the central sun in different, um, different frequencies, different uh, um, I guess frequencies. Uh, if you look at uh, you know, different telescopes and the radio things, you can, you can see uh, a lot of concentration of gamma ray radiation from uh, the central sun. Um, so it's, uh, and scientists have just now decided that there is a central sun in the galaxy. And this is fairly recently, um, just within the last few years. They, they had theorized it for some time, but just recently feel that they've now shown and proved that there is a, indeed a central sun or a black hole uh, to our galaxy. Of course, they, they did not have any idea about that back in 1961, which makes it interesting. Any other questions? Marta, you're back with us. Welcome back, Marta. <laughs> The galaxy? Very good question. Um, Marta asks, uh, how does it work? I guess you mean the nine freedoms, or how does it work with the, the, the possibility of a, a second sun in this solar system? Well, we don't know that for an absolute fact that there's a, the second sun. Um, I personally believe that there is, and I know that um, Swami Yuktasvar, uh, who was um, Yogananda's master, stated in one of his books that there was a uh, twin to this solar system uh, around which, um, well, our sun and the other sun kind of revolve around each other virtually. Um, so the short answer is I don't know how it work, would work. Although there are some interesting aspects in here where uh, it says that, uh, I think one of the freedoms, it says that the, the, the being goes to a place where the sun is dark, um, but it's not outside of the solar system. Words to that effect. And that could conceivably be um, perhaps going to this, this other uh, sun but I don't know. Good question. Too good a question, Marta. I would need an answer on that one. Any other questions maybe that we can answer? <laughs> How does physical energy differ from spiritual energy? How does physical energy differ from spiritual energy? Well, um, our master uh, kind of gave it a shot and, and he, I think he called it primary and secondary. Um, and so in that definition, primary would be things like prana, uh, spiritual energy, that's primary. Um, and secondary would be things like electric electricity, um, I don't know, other kind of heat, um, kinetic energy. So how does it differ? Um, well, I guess you could say prana is really behind all things more solidified sunlight, um, and you know you, you step it down, and you then have a, a more physical energy. And that's, that's not to say that prana is not physical, because it is. 
okay? And spiritual energy is still physical, but I think the way you mean it, um, physical is, is kind of more, is like a, is a step lower, as it were, kind of a lower vibratory energy, which is used by people like us. Although we also use spiritual energy, too, of course. Does that help? There, there are rates of frequency. Um, the master described in the nine freedoms that, for instance, when you touch, let's say, a piece of wood, which is a physical object, you're not touching the atoms of the wood. You're touching the ether of the wood. It's far more ether to physical substance than atomic structure. So that also kind of alters the way you look at yourself and how you think about what is physical. And ether plays a vital role. That's why there's so many um, ways that it manifests, as the nine freedoms describe, multitudinous forms of how ether is um, transmutable and mutable. So in the fact, for instance, when you send spiritual healing to a person that has a physical complaint, that spiritual energy is a higher frequency of sunlight that travels through the physical structure into the etheric structure of the person, thereby uh, bringing about a wholesome energetic release and it imbues the ether of that person that is, let's say, for instance, a person has a disease and it's manifesting itself. Well, the healer then contacts spiritual energy and transmits this into the human body by touch, let's say, by a, a healing touch. What goes through is the spiritual frequency that you've now transmitted, and it enters into the etheric sea of that person, i.e., their bodies. Physical is one aspect, but the, don't forget, the physical structure is mainly composed of ether, not atoms. So what you're doing is bringing a charge, a spiritual charge, to a depleted anatomy that has now manifested because of dis-ease or disharmony. You're bringing spiritual power into that embodiment and thereby bringing about healing. So, as the Master puts it, through spiritual healing, you're contacting spiritual sunlight through yourself and transmitting it into a person who is actually devoid of one or more of the five pranas and probably sub-pranas. The more adroit the spiritual healer is, that person, like our Master King, was very, very advanced, so he could absolutely dial in the required energy that you needed and he would transmit that power, and that person would become better. And he spent many of his early years in spiritual healing, long before, actually, he became the uh, voice of interplanetary parliament. Mm. So much so, he traveled to the lower astral realms of this planet and gave healing to drug addicts and alcoholics and very vile people nonetheless. He contacted this power and transmitted it and filled these people with this counter-opposing energy that filled them and transmuted them upwards, thereby giving them that healing. That's a, that's a good uh, description. That's a good, that's a good thing to think about, too, when you're giving healing is, is um, you know, the physical body is, as Richard said, it's, it's mainly space or mainly ether. And you can think about, uh, you can help, help yourself think about it by thinking about um, outer space. 
And most of outer space is space. You have a, you have a few planets in the solar system, uh, and then outside of the solar system there's a lot of space, but another sun, you know, four and a half uh, uh, light years away. And then in that small solar system, you've got a few planets. So most of space is space. It's not physical stru structure. And so in a way, it can help your visualization when you're giving healing. Because rather than thinking of this solid person in front of you, I can't get this stuff in there, think of the person as being just space. Lots of space. And kind of filling that space up with energy. So it's a nice thought. Is that why you said I was spaced out the other day? Uh, that's something different. Okay, something different yeah, yeah. Along the same lines. Okay. There has been millions and millions of energy being released at the exception of you know, the machines which Professor Talk talked about. And this energy is come through these machines. Where does it go and what does it do? So the question is on the energies from satellite number three. Yeah, satellite number three. And if not used, where? Uh, what happens to it? Well, there's two things at play. One is um, when the satellite's in orbit, um, anyone who, who needs energy and, will, and is going to be using energy in a selfless manner, right, or spiritual manner, shall we say, that energy goes direct, directly to that person, and then it's used. So that's not, not used. It's used because it's only given to you if you use it, right? If, if you're sitting at home watching TV, you won't get any energy. If you don't watch TV for that moment and you're doing a 12 Blessings, you will get the energy because they, they, they have that much control over it. Now, as far as uh, energy that goes through the, um, the SER, the spiritual energy radiator, any of that energy that's not used is recalled back to satellite number three. They, 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 they code, they have a way of coding the energy and so that they send it out and if it's not used, then it's recalled back. And then that gets into a Another thing that our master did with getting us uh, more energy, some of that recalled energy he got uh, access to, and it's called um, Space Power 2 energy. But that's a whole other issue. That we won't go into that right now. We, don't, we can't get into that because that by itself is a very uh, uh, complex. But very, thank you very, very much. Important. Because those of you who want to follow up on this excellent question by mm. Jude, regarding satellite number three and the energy that is dispersed and recalled and then reused again in an operation called Space Power is, is described in a book called Operation Space Power, printed in the late 80s. Yeah. And it's an excellent book. In fact, yeah, I read it just two days ago from start to finish. And it's impressive, to say oh, the brilliant. least. Yeah. Impressive. Brilliant. Yes, sir. Is that Steve? Steve? Welcome from Denver, right? right? Yes. You flew in just for this uh, class, didn't you? Ah, very good. Okay. With our actions in this lifetime, we, we, my understanding is we come in with a karmic past of some kind. Through our life and our actions in receiving this energy and selfless giving and service, can we change our karmic future as well and alter it in a way that would be more to our aspiration, if you will, as a spiritual being and a loving being, wanting a better life and more fulfilling life for ourselves? Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, the question basically is we, we come into this life with a karmic pattern, and can we uh, change it and alter it and, and improve it so that we move on? Is that basically the question? Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's a very good point. And um, he says that in, those, in so many words in uh, the first freedom. 
And in fact, every, every act you do changes your karma, for better or for worse. Every action, every thought that you do changes your karma. And the, the, more, that, the more good that you do, um, and the more knowledge that you bring in, and the more energy you bring in, but especially the more good that you do for others, you are constantly changing that karmic pattern for the better, so that um, you're building up a better and better and better and better karmic pattern as you go, which will then allow you to get more energy and do even more good and then to ha have an even better karmic pattern. I uh, know it, he, he says it brilliantly in the, in the first freedom. Go back and look at that. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful statement where he, he talks about, um, about bravery and, uh, and in those words. Good question. Steve. With everything that was encompassed tonight, it's been an extremely rich time and will continue to be, I know, is ultimately the mission of all the extraterrestrials and us to have this realization of God within this lifetime, if you will, to the best of our ability in whatever form it's going to take. And I'm sure the the Supreme Source works with each of us in unique ways. But is that what a lot of what we're talking about leading toward or for your paths as well is this oneness and more of a personal relationship with the Supreme Source? So the question is, um, is the goal of life to um, become closer to oneness with the Supreme Course, the Supreme Being? Yes. and to live that and express that to our lives? Yes and no. It has been, that's been the epitome, that has been the, the, uh, the drone throughout the centuries, certainly amongst the, the yogis, certainly amongst the, the masters, certainly amongst the aspirants throughout the centuries who have removed themselves from humanity just to have the pleasure of serenity to be bathed in the light of wisdom and experience divinity. However, today, unlike yesterday, we have the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. So therein lies where we come together in this motley crew called the Aetherius Society, in this particular case, and join as a band of sisters and brothers and do our very best under the great tutorage of the Master and the legacy which he left us to perform great acts of service which can help avert and change and inevitably transmute the um, negative karma of the collective, in this case of the world. And in that we have growth, and in that our investment for our future days, as you mentioned earlier, in our next life we have now combined two efforts. We have now successfully and continually uh, addressed the, the problems, the needs of the many, and our needs personally are being addressed by the fact we have been promised and we have been told that our natural progression of our becoming, i.e. the chakras, our aura, our general well-being, our mind bodies, our astral bodies, all the different functions of our being 
become improved and naturally grow in a spiritual fashion at the same time. That's, uh, that's a very good point, and it's you, you can you can even look at it a different way um, in that uh, in days of old or, or in, in yesteryears, as it were, we were told that the the way back to God is through um, self-reflection and escape and meditation and whatnot. Now we're being told that virtually the way back to God is um, emulating the sun, which is in service 24 hours a day. And so in a way, we're, we're act- we are actually um, trying to realize um, the state of godliness, um, but the way to do that is not to detach, but to attach and to help as much as we possibly can. Now, one thing I, I wanted to, to say before I forgot is that since we're talking about um, solar existence, and we, here we are in uh, mid-June, another it's always, like I say, uh, an idea to try and keep your mind thinking about good things as much as you possibly can. So any trick you can use, use it. And one thing that's coming up, of course, is the summer solstice. And that's, of course, when the sun is at the highest point in the sky in the northern hemisphere. And so why not um, celebrate it? Uh, I mean, it's been celebrated for for centuries by um, people all over the world. It's been kind of forgotten by, by modern civilization. But it's a great thing to celebrate in your own way. Uh, it's a way of, you know, the sun kind of ra- rises up as high as it gets and then it starts to go down again. And so it's a very important time. And that date, uh, Brian, again? 21st. 21st of June. 21st of June. Yeah. And by the way, a few days later, two days later, we have a pilgrimage here locally to Perfect. Mount Baldy on the mm-hmm. 23rd, and it's still in that vibration. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. If that's all the questions, we do have um, one last extract by Mari Sector 6. Okay, this is a, another beautiful extract. So let's prepare ourselves. Sit up straight. Once again, tune in to wondrous, mighty solar logos and all the great solar lords which make up the one. Let's listen to Mars Sector 6, track 9. The nine freedoms have been given. A Tutera at this time in order to stimulate and rise the consciousness of the few thinkers. Use this information well for it will change you, for it will cause multitudinous thoughts to come into your mind. For this information will be the dawning of wisdom for you. Use it well, O brothers.
Use it well. Why don't we close with a prayer by the Master Jesus who gave it just after those words, really. So I'll raise our hands. O divine, everlasting God, let your light shine upon all the people on earth now. Let this light enter into their hearts and minds now, so that they may realize their nearness to the everlasting flame which is thy love. Bless you all. Bless you. May your journey through your karma be a wonderful one. Bless you. Go with God. Now let us continue this prayer. We ask, Almighty God, that thy love and blessings flow to our wonderful spiritual master, His Eminence Sir George King for bringing forth the sacred wisdom to earth in these days. May we be inspired and strengthened and uplifted to take within ourselves this sacred wisdom so that we might send out by love my service to all. And we thank Almighty God, that great karmic Lord, who pronounced these nine freedoms, Mars, Sector 6. May he be blessed now and always for this great gift to us all. May you have one. opportunity to, at the closure of this, the Ninth Freedom, to thank all of you who have attended the Los Angeles headquarters throughout these past several weeks, and those of you who have listened to this broadcast on the Ethereum Society website, and those of you who have contributed generously to this venture by financial donations. We are looking forward to producing, in the near future, um, additional podcasts with other um, well-versed 
scholars and students of the Master and the teachings in the not-too-distant future. So if there are any other questions regarding these nine freedoms, please feel free to inquire by writing us, emailing us, and we'll do our very best to clarify anything that you have on your mind. We'll try. Anyway. We'll try. Um, we also are going to have, like, like we mentioned, a little celebration party uh, next Wednesday at 8 o'clock, and that will be um, uh, actually uh, two doors down at the George King Center. Uh, and we want to uh, interview, a short, like two, three, four minute uh, interviews, uh, if any words um, that you'd like to say um, <coughs> uh, what you uh, what you thought of the classes, thought of the Nine Freedoms, uh, how it's helped you, um, uh, what you'd like to see in the future, anything you'd like to say, leave it up to you. And positive things about Brian and I in particular. Oh, yes, that's yeah, yeah, especially positive mostly, things, yeah. mostly, yes. Okay. I look forward to that. So we'll have an open mic then, uh, uh, two days, one week, or two doors down. Um, food. Food. What do we do with the food? Food. So yeah, about yeah that luck. sounds like a potluck. And so just bring a dish. Um, okay, well, if you wanted to, if you want to do a potluck, or would you rather do just sticky snacks, or what would people want to do? You don't have to do potluck. Have you ever heard of a sneaky snack? Oh, no. Okay. It's an English thing, I don't know. Sneaky snack. Sneaky snack. It's like grapes and cheeses and potato chips and that kind of stuff. Okay. This is not I've been around here for too long, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Sneaky snack. Well, to the two beautiful, handsome duo, could you give me a clap for them? Oh, yeah. Oh, this brings to conclusion the Nine Freedom Study Group. And in closing, I'd like to read a few words at the end of the introduction to this wondrous mystic text written by His Eminence Sir George King. The nine freedoms has been given to man in such a way that, if he thinks at all, he can read and understand it. It is because man stands today upon the verge of the most important happenings in his total history, that these revolutions have been made by the higher powers so that, even in the eleventh hour of man's decision, the answers to the most outstanding questions which have baffled him for centuries have now been given. Benign freedoms as a signpost to the future evolution of humanity has been given at this time so that those who are ready may learn how to progress bravely into the millennium of peace on earth. Then, later, through the cosmos. Please visit us at www.atherius.org your cosmic connection. Thank you.